The night the angels came, announcing peace to those with whom God is pleased. They couldn't have broken the quiet land in a more unexpected way. Hosts of angels lighting up the sky, trumpeting the good news, shattering the silence with praise and glory to God. How else would a Messiah be announced? Except instead of riding the white horse dressed in royal robes, we found you on the outskirts of a crowded town, given the last remnant of space, wrapped in a leftover cloth. And the least regarded citizens, lowly shepherds gathered under a dark sky, were charged with the glorious announcement of your birth. This is the peace that passes all understanding, the promise of a different kind of life offered with shalom, freely offered, to build bridges between our lives and your kingdom in the most extraordinary ways. Amen. Before we jump in, I just want to say, uh, great job, Emma, reading on that. That was terrific. Uh, I, sixth grade is what Ben just told me, and I'm trying to think of, uh, had you asked me to do that in sixth grade, what that would have looked like. Uh, <laughs> and it would not have looked like that. You did a great job uh, on that. Thank you for getting up there. It takes a lot of bravery to get in front of folks and do that. Uh, you know, as I was thinking through this week, I was reminded of a, a story from 11 years ago, and I don't really know why, but I just was. And, and I remembered a young man named Ben who passed away 11 Christmases ago. And, and as I thought through it, I, I remembered that he had made a video. Uh, a week before he died on Christmas Day, he, he put this video out there on YouTube that went viral. It was over a million views on it. And during that video, all he did was hold up some note cards. He didn't really talk. He just held up some note cards explaining his situation where he had had uh, a heart condition his entire life. In fact, he had had several near-death experiences. And he talked about seeing a light in heaven. And he talked a little bit about what that experience on the other side, how he didn't want to come back. But what was so interesting about this young man was that he had this indescribable peace with his circumstances and with his future. It was just this supernatural peace, and it was palpable, and you could sense it. And I think that that's really what caused people to be attracted to this and what happened. Um, his parents didn't even get to see the video till after he'd passed away on that Christmas, but he was at peace. At the end of the video, he would put up two final note cards. It's interesting because on the, the second to last one, it would simply say, do you believe in angels or God? And then he would hold up one last one that said, I do. A simple statement from a young man who would die one week later. But he had this peace beyond all understanding. We like to talk about peace at Christmas time. It's a word that comes up a lot. It's in a lot of Christmas songs, and it's something we all enjoy. There's a very real sense that we need peace in, uh, in the world around us. And when I talk about peace, there, oftentimes we're talking about an inner peace, which is kind of this idea that for a lot of us, we struggle with anxiety, fear, maybe even some anger issues on that. And there's kind of a battle going on inside of us. And so for many people, they seek genuine peace inside. 
But there's also the peace in the world that we talk about as well. And we look out there and we're like, it doesn't seem like a lot of peace in this world. And we desire it. I mean, I saw in the paper this week, you know, Putin's starting to put feelers out there to maybe begin a peace process in Ukraine. And I think most of us would say, yeah, I think I'd like that. That would be a good thing. We desire peace in the world. But in 20 plus years of ministry, I've had people come up more than once to say, you know, Pastor Jason, it seems like we sing the songs, we talk about it, but where is this peace on earth that Jesus was supposed to bring? What happened to that? And the truth is, that's a reasonable question. It's a pretty good one. You know, because we sing the songs, you know, peace on earth, goodwill to all men. It's not necessarily actually an accurate trans, uh, translation of scripture, by the way. It says, on earth, peace to all men. And that's a very different statement when you read that. And I don't believe the Bible contradicts itself. So we have to dive in a little further because we'll see passages like Matthew 10, where Jesus says, do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And we read that and we're like, well, that doesn't sound like peace on earth. You know what I mean? Uh, that, that, that doesn't seem like the Christmas story I heard. And in another place in John 14, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, but I do not give as the world gives. And right away when I was reading that, I was just reminded of the conversation between God and the prophet Isaiah. Remember where he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. And we're just reminded that the ways of Jesus don't always match our earthly definitions and our human perspectives. God thinks differently. And at its core, then, I wonder if we're asking the wrong question. We're saying, will we have peace on earth? I wonder if the real question, as we talk about this peace that Jesus brought and that the angels announced, is this. Do you have peace with God? It's a different question, isn't it? Do you have peace with God? And you say, why do I ask? Because I genuinely believe and I want for you to have peace inwardly, and I would like to see peace in this world, but I do not believe with all my heart there can be peace inside or out without the peace of God. I just don't think it's possible. So it starts there. But we have to back up, of course, and ask the question, then what is peace on earth? What is this peace that Jesus brought? Well, if that's okay, I encourage you, if you have your Bibles today, to turn to Romans chapter 5. We're going to be hanging out in there or your device, but we'll put the verses up on the screen as we always do. So follow along whatever way you are most comfortable. But in Romans 5 verse 1, the Apostle Paul talks to us a little bit about the peace of God. Let's look at what he has to say. He says, therefore, since we have been justified... There's a big word there, and we'll come back to that in a minute. We don't use that one necessarily in everyday language, do we? Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So right away we see two ingredients necessary for us to experience peace with God. The first one is a big word, justification. But I will tell you it's an important word. So if this one's new to you, I want you to grab hold of this one. This is an important word for understanding salvation and what the gift of God truly is for us. See, justification involves at least a couple of different things. And what you need to know, need to know is it's a legal word. In the first century, it was used in courtrooms and, and court proceedings. At its core, what justification means is this. It means that we are declared innocent of the crime, 
and we are absolved from the punishment. It's two separate things. One, you have a not guilty verdict is the first thing. But it doesn't end there. What it means is you have been completely absolved. In fact, at its core, what justification means, if we use a modern word, your record has been expunged. It has been forgotten. The Bible says our sins are forgotten as far as the east is from the west. It's as if you never did it to begin with. That's how cool justification is. It's more than just, hey, I'm forgiven. It's set free from the penalty and forgotten. You have been completely released. How is this accomplished, though? This amazing thing. How does this get accomplished? Well, in verse 9, Paul tells us, he said, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the answer is another one word that we need to just grasp and I think can be hard to fully grasp sometimes. And that word is grace. It's by grace that while we were yet sinners, that while we had turned our backs on God, while we were unloving in our sinful nature, Jesus Christ loved us and God loved us so much that he sent his son to die on a cross so that not only are our sins forgiven, but we have been set free from the penalty of the crime. And Paul tells us that all of this is available through faith. And so we have to ask the question, do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? And right away someone will say, yeah, pastor, I absolutely believe in Jesus Christ. I'm a believer. I believe. And, and I want to challenge that. I, I, I get it. But faith is more than just believing. It's more than just a head exercise. Faith involves several things. And the analogy I like to use, and we'll talk about this more in January 1st, is the analogy from the head to the heart to our hands to fully understand what faith is. It's no one thing. You say, what do I mean by that? Well, we understand that, for instance, it is with our heads that we accept the truth. It's with our heads that we work through the things we need to work through and the arguments and, and we kind of resolve those things. It's with that that we deal with the truth. But then it has to go from our heads to our hearts. And in our hearts, we live by the Spirit. And this is the good news at the core of the gospel message. Yes, you've been forgiven, you've been set free, you've been reconnected back to God. And Paul would tell us in Colossians 1, and as a result, it is Christ in us. His Spirit indwelling us. And as what's the result of His Spirit indwelling us? It moves out to our hands. And it's with our hands that we glorify God. And that's why James would tell us faith without works is dead. See, it's all three of those working together. It's not just a, a head exercise. That, that, that knowledge has to move into our heart and we have to live it and be indwelled with it. And, and then we can't just hold on to it there. It has to move from our heart to our hands. There has to be action. People have to see this Jesus Christ who lives inside of you in all that you do lived out in the world. Amen? But at the core of the faith question is another question we have to wrestle with. That question is this, who has your 
allegiance. It's an important one of faith. Maybe you've never heard it put that way, but who has your allegiance? You say, why do you ask? And I'll tell you it's this, because who or whatever has your allegiance has your worship. And I've heard the agnostic atheist viewpoints, and I get it, but I stand firmly on this. Everybody worships something, even if it's themselves. At the core, everybody worships something. Who has your allegiance? Is it God or is it something else? You have to wrestle with that. True worship and true peace comes from God. And as a result, I I say firmly today, you cannot have peace apart from God. Not genuine, spiritual, heavenly from above, peace. You cannot have it without God. That's why Paul would continue in verse 9 and 10. He would say, since we now have been justified by Jesus' blood, how much more shall we then be saved from God's wrath through him? Remember that line, saved from God's wrath through him. For if while we were God's enemies, curious, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, How much more then, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Real quick, we're introduced to another word word we've talked about before, and the word's reconciliation. Behind reconciliation is the idea of bringing two things that have been ripped apart back together. That's why we say part of the gospel message is that you've been reconnected back to God. Two things that were opposed to each other, two things that were far apart, have been through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ put back together again. That's the amazing news, is that you can be reconnected back to God. And so what we learn in this picture and through these verses is important. We learn that justification is the legal remedy that we need. It's our not guilty verdict and our record has been expunged. But reconciliation then restores the relationship. So it's not enough just to say, hey, we're not guilty. That's great. The point of peace is to bring us back to God. It's a relationship at its core. And the third line's where I just look forward to getting myself into some trouble. The result is salvation later. Now hang tight with me for a minute. It's a curious statement because I get it. I've said this before, but the more you think about it, you'll see what I mean. See, I've said, someone will say, when did you get saved? I got saved 10 years ago. I've been saved 20 years. Notice what Paul said in there, though. We'll be saved. Technically speaking, I get the point when we say that, but technically speaking from Scripture, you're not actually saved yet. Because you have to ask yourself, what am I saved from? And it's not just your sins. That's too simple an answer here. What you are saved from is the wrath of God. And the Bible says it is appointed for everyone once to die and then to face judgment. That has not happened yet. You see the point I'm making on this? And I get it. We're just playing and parsing words, but I get it. But technically speaking... Salvation is later. What we have is the hope of salvation, 
right? That's our great hope. We have the assurance of forgiveness and the promise of eternal life. And quite simply, it means this. We face the great white throne of judgment, and we stand before it, and Jesus says, they're with me. That's it. He says, she's with me. He's with me. It is finished. That's the hope and the assurance and the promise that we hold on to. But remember, he talked about outside of peace with God... And when we are not reconciled, what's the word picture we're given? And I know we don't like talking about this, but we really need to this holiday season, okay? If you genuinely want peace with God, he told us in that verse, outside of a life and a relationship with God, you are his enemy. Okay? No, we're talking about wrath, we're talking about enemy. Come on, Jason, where's Jingle Bells? I get it. But outside of a relationship with God, we're his enemy. And and what I need to tell you is present the gospel in a way that we don't always present it this way, but you need to hear it. 2,000 years ago, a man left this planet to go back and be with his father, who is a very dangerous man, and you need to pay attention to him. I know we like to talk about Jesus sometimes in terms of You know, he's the lamb that came, and he's sweet, and he's nice. We like to talk about the caring Jesus. But have you ever thought that a very dangerous man is coming back? Because, yes, the first time he came, he was a lamb. The second time, he's coming as a warrior. He comes with the intent to make things right, to face evil and destroy it. We have to understand that's still part of our gospel message. And I know we like to dress it up and feel good things and so forth. But at its core, if you are outside a relationship with God, you are his enemy. And when Jesus shows up, that's bad news, okay? He wants to save you from that wrath. And so you've got to just remember, if you are an enemy with God, there is no peace with him. You cannot remain an enemy of God. Now you ask, is there eventually going to be peace? It seems like the Bible talks about peace. And the answer is yes, because Jesus is coming back. He made us that promise. And when he comes back, he plans to establish things back to the way they were supposed to be. And he talks about a millennial kingdom where the lion will sit next to the lamb, where the swords will be beat into plowshares. It will be an incredible time of peace. But hear me on this. It is a peace that comes on the other side of a battlefield. King Jesus is coming back to make war. Which side are you on? For those who are genuine followers of Jesus Christ, we need not worry about that day. We're reminded that we have been justified by his blood and we are reconciled through the cross. So we do not fear his wrath, we do not live confused or unaware. The Bible says that for those who have been redeemed, set free, and are reconnected back to God, we can stand with boldness and confidence at his throne. You need not worry. But I'm guessing as we think around ourselves and the people we know and the family we have, there's some we should be concerned for. Genuinely concerned for. But for those who step out in faith, you've been given the promise of new life. The past is the past. The old is gone. 
no more shame, no more guilt. And in that, you have peace with God. That is the gift this baby came to give. Do you have peace with God? You remember our friend Ben that we talked about when we opened up this entire talk today? He had this supernatural peace that was from above. He was a believer in Jesus Christ, and so for him, whatever was next in his life was just part of God's plan. And he knew where his eternal destiny was and where he was going to be forever, and that was with his king, Jesus. He stood boldly and firmly on that, and you can too. But he had two slides at the end, remember? One said, do you believe in angels and God? And his final answer was, I do. And I think 11 years later, he wouldn't mind me asking you the question, do you? What a wonderful way to remember this young man and the life he lived out for Jesus Christ. You can have peace this holiday season, but it's not a peace as the world defines it. It is a peace with God that starts with a relationship with him. And so if you have never taken that step forward to say, I believe and I wish to begin a journey of faith, of trusting him and obeying him, I want my allegiance to be with God. That's the greatest gift you could receive this holiday season. And just know, it's a gift that's freely given, no strings attached. Jesus is giving that gift, saying you can have peace with God, but you know what I know about all gifts? There's someone who gives it, and you must receive it. It's like presents under the tree. You can leave them unwrapped if you want, can't you? You have to choose to receive that gift, open it, and receive salvation so that you can stand boldly before the throne. Let's pray.